You already know what time it is. Welcome back in to the NFL with AJL, episode 59. We're live on a Friday. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you're right here tapped in with me live on the show. Feels great to be back on a Friday. I know I've missed a few Friday shows lately. It was so happy to be back on Tuesday as well. Hope you guys have had an awesome first week of 2024. It's already January 5th, but I'm going to slow down because 2023 was already the fastest year of my life. Hope the New Year's was great for you guys. Hope you're ready, locked, and loaded for tonight's show. Y'all get in the comments as well. Let me know how the sound is. Recorded the last episode like a rookie with my microphone on my laptop. Not even this beauty that I bought to even do the podcast. Again, hope y'all had a great week. Thank you for tuning in. As always, please make sure to like and share the stream wherever you're watching. Subscribe on YouTube. Hit the bell so you never miss any of our content. And of course, the QR code there in the corner of the screen, as always. We'll give you every bit of social media and podcast content. Darby, appreciate it, man. You know, I was I was counting on your comments specifically to let me know if we'd be good because I was so irritated when I opened up last week's show to cut it up. I was like, damn. I literally recorded that from my laptop microphone. I know better than that. Uh, But yeah, y'all make sure to hit the QR code, every bit of content, scan it. You'll never miss anything at the NFL with AJL. Hashtag the NFL with AJL. And like I said, we got a loaded show tonight previewing the college football national championship between Washington and Michigan. The Ravens signed Dalvin Cook to the practice squad after he was unclaimed on waivers. The potential new teams for Russell Wilson talking a little bit of New Orleans Saints football as we always do on the show and then picking every week 18 game. Let's get into it. CFP title game prediction for uh, Washington, the number two team in the nation versus Michigan, the number one team. They walked into the college football playoff as the number one team, and they're going to play the national title game as the number one team as well. And we know what Michigan is, right? They pride themselves on defense is exactly how they won the game versus Alabama. They did have their offense come around towards the end, but it took them about 55 minutes realistically to get together, to get it together. The defense was great all night. They were constantly putting pressure on Jalen Milrow, and that's how they were able to get here to the college football playoff national championship. They love to run the football. They're very physical, aggressive. They're going to beat you down. They're going to push you around, and they're only going to ask J.J. McCarthy to throw the ball unless he necessarily needs to. He's only had two games this year where he's thrown the ball 30 times or more. What does that tell you? Michigan doesn't necessarily trust their quarterback to always be that go-to option like we see with some other teams in college football, even in the NFL as well. But it's good when you don't have to depend on your quarterback to do everything. J.J. McCarthy is solid, but he's not going to be a guy to necessarily win you a game or really go out there and make a major play like some of these other guys for this team and around college football do, but they're number one in defensive points per game. They're number two in defensive yards per game. Now we take a look at Washington. Very pass happy. They are quarterback centric. We know that Michael Penix should have arguably won the Heisman. I hear some people saying that. I'm fine with Jaden Daniels winning it. And personally, I think he was the best player in college football, no doubt about it. Washington's 10th overall in points and yards offensively. They're the number one passing offense, no surprise, coming into this game. We know what Michael Penix is. We know about Jalen Polk. We know about Romo Dunes. We know about um why am I forgetting some of the other 
Lord, the other wide receivers' names. Either way, we know they have a deep wide receiver class. Dylan Johnson even as the running back as well. Very, very good players here for Washington. Very good players for Michigan as well. Whoever wins this intense matchup of these two teams is going to be their first ever college football playoff title. And these teams will actually be conference rivals next year. As we know, Washington is going to the Big Ten with Michigan. And this is really going to set the stage for a big Beginning of a rivalry is now be in the same conference. But when you take a look at the uh, an efficiency standpoint here between these two teams, Michigan ironically matches up well with Washington's offense. Washington averaged 3.12 points per possession. That's number five in the nation. Michigan's right behind them at 3.06. So really the same, right? You can crunch these numbers and these decimals, and maybe it does become very apparent for a big game like the national championship. But taking a look at the efficiency in the biggest game of the year for college football definitely matters, and, and it's going to hold weight. Washington scores points on 50.3% of its offensive possessions. That's number four in the nation. Michigan scores on exactly 50%. That's number six, and that's number six in the nation. You just heard me talk about Michael Penix and that wide receiver crew. Washington's passing attack is very good. It's the best in the nation. But ironically, and this is where stats can be a little misleading, Michigan's explosive play rate in the passing game, 21.9%, was actually higher than Washington's at 21.4%. Now, that does speak more to volume because we know Michigan's going to beat the hell out of you, run the football, grind it down, and then they might hit you with one over the top. So their success rate is going to be higher when they're having less attempts. Not really going to be a premier marquee quarterback matchup. I think everyone in the world is going to expect Michael Penix to play not just like he did against Texas, but very similar, at least 80 to 85% of that, be that Michael Penix that we've seen all year, 30-plus touchdowns, less than 10 interceptions, over 4,500 yards passing. He's a left-handed phenom. That's what I've been calling him the whole time. And this game is going to do nothing but raise the draft stock for Michael Penix as well. I like Michael Penix over J.J. McCarthy. I keep on wanting to say Mike McCarthy, but it's by a mile. It isn't hard to see. The eye test doesn't lie to you when it comes down to these two guys, and that is no slight at J.J. McCarthy because he's in a completely different system. Jim Harbaugh's been in it for a while, and he knows his defense and his run game with a guy like Blake Corum on defense with a guy, um, what's that last name? It's it's kind of uh, San Ristil. Guy's a beast. Five picks this year, two pick sixes, quite a few tackles, some TFLs as well. That type of guy is going to be the one to really take some of that pressure off J.J. McCarthy versus when you have Michael Penix, he's going to be able to, to really carry things. Michael Penix is going to be the better quarterback in this matchup. I expect him to outplay J.J. McCarthy straight up. Now, if Michigan's defense does come around, we could be in a conversation weirdly enough, about how J.J. McCarthy outplayed Michael Penix in the national championship game. But if that does happen, it will 100% be due to Michigan's defense. Now we take a look at the coaching matchup. We've got Jim Harbaugh. We've got Kalen DeBoer. Both of these guys have coached over 100 games in college football. But at the end of the day, there's no lie that Jim Harbaugh does have way more experience than Kalen DeBoer. Jim Harbaugh is about to coach his 199th college game of all time. They possibly couldn't have lined it up better. I, I bet you when they gave him that suspension for the uh, recruiting violations, they did just enough to keep it from where if he went to play in the national championship game, he wasn't going to be able to coach his 200th game. And there's already rumors about Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL, so he might not get that chance to coach his 200th game. Uh, Kalen DeBoer's coached 115, but Harbaugh has been doing it at a higher level for a longer time. He's got more experience. He knows how to speak to these players, and not that Kalen DeBoer doesn't know how, but it was just like when the Patriots went to the Super Bowl against the Rams. The Rams put up three points. Now the Patriots only put up 13, 
But it was the oldest coach in the league versus the youngest coach in the league, the youngest coach to ever go to a Super Bowl. Now, McVay did get back and win it, thankfully, after they acquired Matthew Stafford. And I feel like this could be kind of that matchup there. Very, very uh, talented, respected, in the game a while, Jim Harbaugh versus a Kalen DeBoer that's only in his second season with Washington. We've seen Jim Harbaugh go to the NFL and only have one season with the Niners to where he didn't at least go to the NFC title game. He took him to two NFC title games and lost the Super Bowl. Had the chance in his first three years to go to three straight Super Bowls. Now, I know we're talking about college, but I do like Jim Harbaugh over Kalen DeBoer in this game. It's time for Harbaugh to get the monkey off his back with Michigan, win the first ever CFP title, not flame out like they did last year against TCU, and actually make this happen. When you look at the schedule comparison between these two teams, Washington has played more games against ranked opponents in terms of Oregon twice, Texas, USC, Oregon State, and Utah. But even though Michigan's only played two ranked teams all season, Alabama and Ohio State, that's a slight edge to Michigan, or to, uh, excuse me, to, that slightly hedges out Washington. To me, that means more because I think anybody on here would say USC, Oregon State, and Utah were never a super threat to really make it this far. So it's okay. We'll go with Oregon and Texas. Everybody out here is going to tell you that Ohio State and Alabama, when it came down to it, were better than Oregon and Texas. And you can have the arguments of they weren't because Oregon and Texas overall did look better than Alabama for most of the season. But Texas got beat, and obviously Oregon wasn't in there. They got beat by Washington, who also beat Texas to get through to the college football national title. Oh, man. The schedules, when you look back and forth, you can go a couple of ways. But I like the test that Michigan has already uh, went through. They really proved a lot against Alabama because, again, I thought Alabama was going to wipe the floor with them. Who wanted to possibly see Michigan get wiped again in the playoffs, especially by Nick Saban in the Tide? But no doubt Michigan's been more tested, especially not having Jim Harbaugh at certain points in the year. And I'm not using that for leverage, but it, it does matter when you're able to get this far undefeated number one team in the nation. You beat Alabama, who knocked off the number one team, and possibly in your 199th game of your college coaching career, including Stanford, you could win the college football national championship and elevate all of your players even higher than they already are for the NFL draft. The stars in this game, Blake Corum, uh, Mike Sanristil, I think that's how you say the last name. Again, guy, five picks, two pick sixes on the year. Been a real standout there for, for Michigan. Blake Corum could have went to the NFL last year. He's got 25 rushing touchdowns this year. We know he's not the same because of the knee injury. But Blake Corum wanted to come back because there was unfinished business. He was possibly in that Heisman race before that injury happened. You got Jenkins. You got Barrett from Michigan as well. Then you turn around and look at all of the offense for Michael uh, for, for Washington. Michael Penix, Romo Dunes, Dylan Johnson, Jalen Polk, McMillan. One of the deepest wide receiver cores in the nation. Now we go and look at the trenches. Washington O-line is very good. Only 11 sacks given up all year. All year. 11 sacks given up for Washington. And Michael Penix has been able to be very comfortable. Very comfortable behind the line of scrimmage, even with being that left-handed quarterback. He's been elite. He's been a day-one pick. He's franchise quarterback material. He has been on fire in college football, and I'm glad he came over from Indiana. I really am. Now, Michigan could have their way here. We saw they had their way with Alabama, and that's why Jalen Miller wasn't very comfortable, and that's why Jalen Miller didn't throw it on the last play of the game, and Nick Saban didn't trust his quarterback because he doesn't have the greatest arm. 
And Michigan made sure of that as they have a great pass defense. But not only that, they have the trenches on both sides and especially on the defensive line to perturb people on the other end. Michigan's O-line is solid as well, though. Only 19 sacks given up all year. And J.J. McCarthy was a lot more comfortable than Jalen Milrow in the last game. So Michigan's already had that decent test of an Alabama defense having to put pressure on them. And I think Alabama's defense was for sure better than Washington's. Washington's defense isn't even top 50 in the country when you look at it in yards per game and even in points per game. That's not a knock at Washington, but Michigan is the best defensive team in the country and it could potentially cause problems for them. Michigan's D-line carried them a lot of that Alabama game. That's really what helped them win. They were able to get after Jalen Milrow. They were able to throw him off his rocker. Michigan wins in the trenches in this game, I think, no question, but they can't make their mistakes on special teams. They're very good with special teams all year, very disciplined, and now in the biggest game of the year, they have to play very clean, not perfect, not even close to perfect. You just need to play clean football. You just need to play clean football. I'm torn. Uh, Whenever I pick games, and I'm going to pick the winner, I always have like two thoughts, who I want to win and who I think will win. And this one's tough for me. I want, deep down, I want Washington to win because I like Michael Penix a lot. And I think his story coming over from Indiana, the way he's been able to play the last couple years in Washington, he's here. He's arrived. Second in Heisman voting, arguably should have won the Heisman. We're talking about, you know, doing voting after bowl games, which I wouldn't be mad at. Michael Penix has everything he needs to win this game. But Michigan, on a hell of a story, some close people I know really rooting for Michigan. That's really a part that makes me want to go in on it, too. Michigan's defense is crazy. They proved a lot against Alabama. I'm going to take Michigan to win this game because of the coaching experience with Jim Harbaugh and what they proved against Alabama. I feel they've been more tested. I love the offense from Washington. I love Michael Penix. I love that they're here. And he's still going to be a day one pick no matter what. Give me Michigan 24-21 to to win the college football playoff national championship. Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I would, uh, I think Chargers fans would be happy. I do think Chargers fans would be happy. If I was a Chargers fan and I got Jim Harbaugh, I'm like, hell yeah, last time this guy was in the league, he had three shots good at the Super Bowl and made it once. Lost to Joe Flacco and the Ravens in Ray Lewis's last year. Winning or losing the championship might determine if Harbaugh stays or goes to the NFL. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, Yeah, I think if he wins, he'd be like, okay, unfinished business, good. Y'all can't say that I choked out in the CFP anymore. Now I'm going to go back to the league. I was looking up on why Harbaugh actually left the NFL as well. And it wasn't because he didn't have success. Again, three NFC title games. He won one of them. Um, you know, last year in the last season went eight and eight. Him and Jim Harbaugh Jim Harbaugh on the Niners. He was kind of beefing with the GM over a power struggle. They ended up separating mutually. They parted ways. Uh, apparently the GM even denied that Jim Harbaugh was going to be leaving when the reports came out earlier in the year. So it really sucks. But it feels like college is where Jim Harbaugh needs to be. It was just like Nick Saban in the NFL, except Nick Saban did not have a lot of success at all. Now he's back in college football. Yeah, I think if he does win, he's going to go to the league. But it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because the league's a lot different now. And, you know, it's it's not as necessarily defensive as Jim Harbaugh has been getting Michigan or keeping Michigan in that pedigree, you know, since 2015. 
Um, offense wins championships now in the NFL, not defense. If you are not offensively talented, you will not win a championship in the NFL. And I firmly stand on that based on what we've seen in the last few years of the league and what the most dominant teams in the league are doing. But let's go ahead and get into the next topic of the show. As the Ravens signed Dalvin Cook, and I love this. It's it's a perfect pairing, honestly, if you ask me. Dalvin Cook was wasting away in that putrid Jets offense, career worse than everything this year with the team, low in yards, low in receptions, low in touchdowns. He didn't play a single snap in the game versus the Browns. That was kind of eye-opening, not even kind of eye-opening. That was eye-opening. That was a first ever for Dalvin Cook to not play a snap in a game that he was active in. He wasn't a healthy scratch. He didn't play a snap in that game. Not even 250 or 300 yards rushing this year with the Jets. No sort of action on the offense at all. And I put that on the Jets. I understand he's 28. I understand the life of a running back is very short. And if there's even a shelf life, if you get access to it as a running back. I understand Dalvin Cook's been hurt a little bit for the last couple of seasons, but don't disrespect him like that. He didn't even have 500 yards of scrimmage. Not even 500 scrimmage yards. And I understand the Jets took a very emotional turn at the beginning of the year, fourth play of the season. We know what happens with Aaron Rodgers. And Dalvin Cook even said he went to the Jets because we remember the kind of, not bidding war, but the conversations that were happening in the offseason about Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook chose to sign with the Jets, $7 million, about $6 million of it was in guarantees, and he wanted to play with Aaron Rodgers. He wanted to play with an elite quarterback that gave him a chance to win a championship. And that's exactly why he went to the Ravens. You look at the Ravens, they've been very, very beat up in the backfield. Week one, J.K. Dobbins goes down. Keaton Miser just went down to week 15. Gus Edwards, shout out to him. He's got 13 touchdowns, but he's not really a big playmaker as much as... A guy like Dalvin Cook at still 28 years old, I think, could come in and, and be a bigger playmaker than Gus Edwards. And, of course, there's Justice Hill, Melvin Gordon. Shout out to the Ravens, man. John Harbaugh could honestly be considered for Coach of the Year because you lose Mark Andrews, you lose Marlon Humphrey, you lose J.K. Dobbins, Keaton Mitchell's going down. Like You have just been taking it on the nose in terms of rotating that depth chart due to injuries, and you're the number one seed. You're going to play at home all throughout the playoffs. You probably have the MVP who you went through hell and back to get under a contract. And now you come in and sign Dalvin Cook because John Harbaugh sees, and again, I know he's on the practice squad. Let, let, me, let me clear that up. He is on the practice squad. But he will be elevated over the next couple of weeks. And when they host that home playoff game, Dalvin Cook will get at least 12 to 14 carries in that game. Because that's all you need from Dalvin Cook. You don't need Dalvin to come out and be 2018, 2019, 2020 Dalvin Cook with the Minnesota Vikings. Is he still capable of that? I think about 70% of it. And that's enough for him to be in the role that the Ravens brought him in for. Because again, shout out to the Ravens. They're running back by committee has been doing them well. They're the number one rushing attack in the league. But Lamar Jackson also in that same sentence has 812 yards on the year and leads his team in rushing. There's been six times this year that Lamar Jackson has led the Ravens in rushing. Get Dalvin Cook over there. Let him stop wasting away. And honestly, I, I feel so bad that I didn't even know Dalvin Cook was released. He was unclaimed on waivers. And so the Ravens said, don't mind us. We're already at 13-3. and three. We're already a hell of a football team. We're already the Super Bowl favorites, and Vegas knows it, and we are the best team in the league. 
So let's pull a Philadelphia Eagles and double and triple down on what we're already good at. Dalvin Cook is still young. I understand he's off a couple of injury-riddled years, but look at the reinvigoration of Christian McCaffrey. This could be Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers 2.0. Dalvin Cook going to the Ravens could turn his career around, and it could maybe be bigger than it ever was with Minnesota. I think Baltimore is a much better, much better ran franchise. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is much better. More of a winning culture. From the Vikings to the Jets, now to the Ravens, I honestly could not be happier for Dalvin Cook to be here. He'll be great behind that Ravens O-line. That Ravens O-line is very solid. They keep Lamar upright. And I just think Dalvin Cook is going to fit very well with the Baltimore Ravens. And I was very pumped when I saw that he got signed and was going to go play for Baltimore. We know that very well. I love the move as well. My Jets wasted him. Yes. Yes, they did waste him. He will be a super, he will win a Super Bowl at the Ravens. I hope, man. I really, really hope. He deserves it. He's going to fit in very well. Ravens and the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Yeah, very possible. Call me crazy, but um, I could see the Cowboys going, not winning. I could see the Cowboys going. And maybe I'm just sniffing that Cowboys poo like people do every year. And um, they're just saying that it's their season. But just Dallas looks and feels different this year. I could see a Ravens-Cowboys Super Bowl. Lamar better show up in the playoffs. Yes, absolutely. Lamar has to show up in the playoffs because that's the knock on him right now. MVP year, flamed out in the playoffs. He put up almost 500 scrimmage yards, but they still lost pretty embarrassingly. And convincingly, you could tell from the first few snaps against the Titans that the Ravens were not going to win that game. And they were the one seed, and Lamar won the MVP, and they basically took three weeks off because Lamar's not playing Sunday. Lamar's not playing Sunday against the Steelers. So we're now going to possibly see that rest versus rust. And for everyone's sake, and Lamar's sake, it's got to be rest because if not, we're going to be saying the same things about here's another regular season quarterback who wins these awards and is very talented, but he can't win the big game. And I want Lamar to get that monkey <clears throat> off of his back. We got one, two. All right, we'll hit it after this. Russell Wilson landing spots. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it, Jansen. I appreciate it a lot, dude. We got to get on a show together. I've been thinking about getting more guests on the show. I just I need to quit being so lazy, but I love having guests on the show. I'd love to co-host. Jansen, you already know, bro. I'd love to do a whole show with you, but... I don't know what we doing out here, dude. We could have been taking over the sports podcasting game like, I don't know, three, four years ago. I know we had a little stint on Petty Sports. Shout out to Gary and Mike. Been thinking about you guys, too. Shout out to Fees with the Black College Basement, man. Hope everything's going well for you. Also, Russell Wilson landing spots. Y'all heard me talk on the last show. Appreciate y'all blowing up my last few YouTube videos, by the way. Appreciate the hell out of y'all. Feels so good to have been gone for just a few weeks, able to kind of reset, focus on making some money a little bit, and then right back into the show. Seriously, the best fans in the world. I couldn't thank y'all enough. Um, but yeah, y'all heard me on the last show talk about Russell Wilson, how him being benched means a lot. And, you know, a lot of people are convinced that Russell Wilson has played his last game as a Denver Bronco and Russell Wilson will be released in March. So let's go ahead and speculate. Let's have some fun and decide where Russell Wilson's next team could be. First and foremost, it's it's going to be the money that people are going to have to work out with him. I could see him getting signed for around $45 million, maybe $42, $43 million a year. 
um, because the going rate for a quarterback is 40. I mean, Daniel Jones got 40 million. You look at all these other quarterbacks out there, they're getting really anywhere from 50 to 55. And that's why Russ is getting moved off of because of not only the collateral they traded for him, of course, as we know, but the contract that he was paid as well and is egregiously underperforming it. So I think the next team that would go and take a chance on Russell Wilson would have to make the money right. And if if I'm looking to sign Russell Wilson, I'm 100% making the money right. You already know that. You already know that I want to make the money right with Russell Wilson based on how he's been playing lately. Still think it's crazy he's getting released. Still think Sean Payton did a good job in getting Russell Wilson back to a top 12 to 13 quarterback. But it's going to be what it is. And, and so when, when you look at all the teams, and y'all listen to me closely before I name these seven teams. There's seven teams in the NFL right now that are either well, basically, these seven teams are not in the quarterback market either because of the draft. They're probably going to extend them, um, or they just have their guy. Giants, Commanders, Vikings, Falcons, Patriots, Raiders, Steelers. Don't feel like the Steelers are sold on Kenny Pickett. Aiden O'Connell is what he is right now. He's still a rookie. I could see the Raiders going quarterback because they do have some talent over there. Antonio Pierce has kind of made that team good again. Um, And Jimmy G's Jimmy G. The Patriots are the Patriots, obviously. The Falcons don't know if it's Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke. Uh, the Vikings, we thought jo- they they thought Josh Dobbs was going to be it. Kirk Cousins is a free agent after this year. The Vikings could be drafting or moving up to get a Jaden Daniels, as some reports we've heard. The Commanders have won four games this year. Yes, there's Eric Bieniemy, but there's also been the injury with Sam Howell. Other backups have had to step in, and then the Giants. Obviously, Daniel Jones is there, um, and he was signed that contract. But I, the Giants would be fooling themselves if they thought that Daniel Jones was it. So the Giants, Commanders, Vikings, Falcons, Patriots, Raiders, and Steelers, I think, are the seven realistic teams that would go and sign Russell Wilson. I almost wanted to put the Seahawks, but I think there's a bad taste in both of those folks' mouth. I couldn't see reunite uh, um, a reunion there. I would have loved to put my Saints on there, um, but they've got all that money committed to Derek Carr, and the Saints wouldn't pay that money for Russell Wilson anyways. So when you look at these seven teams – Three stick out to me as, yes, that would be a destination for Russell Wilson, but there's one that is just the glaring option. If y'all are watching, put it down in the chat. We'll give you all a few seconds. To me, there's one team out of these seven that Russell Wilson should absolutely sign with, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are the obvious option for Russell Wilson to go to next year. The Steelers are not sold on Kenny Pickett. I see a little bit of a resemblance between Mike Tomlin and Pete Carroll. You could say that they're both on the same level in terms of coaching pedigree, both well-respected. They're a player's coach. People speak highly of them. Um, Very committed, very loyal franchises, so it wouldn't be much of a change in that aspect. Great running game with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, both over 1,000 scrimmage yards this year in a very elite company. I can't remember exactly who they're in company with, but some very legendary names. Remember when I saw the graphic a few weeks ago on social media? Uh, The defense going to be similar to what the defense was capable of when it was cleaning it up after the 70 burger in the Broncos uh, in Broncos country, even what it's been the past couple of years. Seahawks had a solid defense as well. And the Steelers have been looking for that veteran quarterback ever since big Ben left. We know that. And I'm not going to say Russell Wilson is just like big Ben, but they're both good leaders. They both threw the hell out of the deep ball. 
They were extremely clutch when they needed to be, and they could improvise off script. Of course, Russ is, you know, possibly a little better at his peak at all of those than Big Ben was, both Super Bowl winners respectively, you know, both very, very good players. We know that. And I think that Russell Wilson going to the Steelers would be exactly, if we went for Russell Wilson, I would scream. I think Russell Wilson to the Steelers would be just a, a match made in heaven. Really, I do. Because the Steelers would also be fooling themselves if they thought that Russell Wilson, or excuse me, if they thought Kenny Pickett was the answer. And Russell Wilson is probably the most polarizing quarterback in the NFL right now. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination he's washed. He was in a hell of a year with the Broncos his first year. He's having a solid year this year. Just nobody wants to talk about it. People want to see Russell Wilson fall so badly. And it really pisses me off because we're disrespecting one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. I'm not saying he's top 10, top 15, top 20, but Russell Wilson will be remembered for a very long time in the NFL. And he's only 35. We're acting like he's 38 or you know, over 40 years old, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers under 40, coming up on 40, you know, Drew Brees and Tom Brady over 40 years old. That's not Russell Wilson. Sean Payton, the way he coached Russ this year, felt a lot like how he coached Drew Brees. He just didn't have the same respect for him and actually treating him like a man as the captain of the team. Not putting the whole game on Russell Wilson's arm. Letting Russ play a little bit off script. We know Breeze was very binary, very one, two, three, hit the hitch on the bat step, and he's throwing the 15 yard out. Whatever the case is, is very methodical. And that's what Sean Payton had Russell Wilson do this year. But the money that's tied to it, he didn't want to redo his injury clause in his contract, so they're going to be moving on. And I think the Steelers would be a good option. Russell Wilson has always been solid, being able to commandeer a rushing attack. In other words, being the quarterback as a part of it. We saw it with Beast Mode. Any quarterback is very solid with a, uh, you know, solid, very good running back behind them. And Najee Harris and Jalen Warren look very good with the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. He would have a George Pickens. He would have other receivers out there. He would have a Freer Muth. He would have a Darnell Washington when he comes back healthy. He would have a decent offensive line. He would have a good coach. He would have a great defense. Even a great coach in Mike Tomlin. 17 straight non-losing seasons. Of course, that can be a little, you know, shady. Where are more Super Bowls going to come around? Is 8-8, eight 9-8, 8-9 and eight, nine and eight, eight and nine the standard for the Steelers? Absolutely not. They have the most championships in the league. But I think the Steelers would be great. I also think the Falcons and the Vikings are attractive as well. The Falcons are loaded on both sides of the football. But they are two of the most pivotal positions away from going and contending for a Super Bowl. They have Bijan, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, solid O-line this year. Defense has been very good. One of the best, if not the best, safety in the league. A.J. Terrell continues to sprout. The defensive line has a solid rotation. Um, but the quarterback and the coach are a question mark. You put Russell Wilson in there, I think it's a very solid team. Now, you would also have to change the head coach as well, which is like, all right, third year, third coach. Really, four years, four coaches, starts to get very messy. How confident is he in these new systems? We've seen that when a player goes through and through and through a system like a Justin Fields, like a Josh Allen, they're going to have effects. And, and at 35 years old, that's just not what you usually see happening. But the Falcons are still attractive as well. Vikings also. I think the, the O-line is decent. You got Brian Flores, who's probably going to be out of there for a head coaching position, but Brian Flores having the defense looking great. You've got offensive weapons. Kevin O'Connell is good. 
But I think the Steelers are the obvious option here for Russell Wilson. I could see him getting signed for, you know, maybe around 40 to no more than 45 million a year. I, I think the quarterback market's overpriced by about 10 million anyways, but what do I know? I just do a show. They're out there playing professionally, but I want to hear from y'all in the chat and in the comments. Let me know about the landing spots that you're feeling for Russell Wilson. I think the Steelers are the most obvious spot for him. Giants, no. Commanders, no. Patriots, no. Uh, just not very good franchises. Russ needs to go to a solid franchise, good culture, and a good coach with weapons, doesn't every quarterback, <laughs> uh, to really be successful at you know at, at this point in his, in his career, this late in his career as well. This has been episode 59 of the NFL with AJL. I appreciate the heck out of everybody jumping into the show on a Friday night as we finish out the first week of 2024. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you're right here tapped in with me. Y'all please make sure to like and share that stream. Subscribe on YouTube as well. Go ahead and follow us on all social media pages. Y'all have always showing up and showing out for me on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, if you'd like to drop a super chat or a super thanks to really Support the show, or if you want to hit me up on social media, text me, call me, you want to donate to the show as well, support the cause, I would always appreciate that. The QR code there in the corner of the screen will give you every bit of social media and podcast content at the NFL with AJL, hashtag the NFL with AJL as well. The couch. Mm, I don't know. You might have lost me there. I feel like I know what you're mentioning, but I just I'm, I'm drawing a blank for some reason. And as always, we're sponsored by Buy and Sell with AJL for all your worldwide professional real estate needs, whether you're looking to buy a home, sell a home or invest in real estate at Buy and Sell with AJL on all social media platforms. DM them or drop uh, a comment here on the stream. implemented to really help out AI buyers and sellers going into 2024 the interest rate has dropped to about 6.6 percent not that gaudy eight eight and a half percent that we were seeing just uh, just a few months ago really feels like just a few weeks ago with how quick they drop and how fast everything's turned around but at buy and sell with AJL for all your worldwide professional real estate needs you already know when we get on the show every single time. I won't say every single time, but we talk about the New Orleans Saints here on the NFL with AJL. So welcome to the Who Dat Corner. Got a few topics here before we get into the week 18 picks. Want to start off the top with the Saints are reportedly sticking with Dennis Allen. And this decision here, as if the whole season didn't tell me, this decision here shows that the Saints don't care about winning football games right now. Mrs. Benson, Mr. Loomis, and Dennis Allen. <coughs> I won't even say Dennis Allen because Dennis Allen's going to keep his NFL coaching job if he can. Everybody would want to remain an NFL head coach in most cases. But the Saints could not get me on a personal call right now and convince me in any way possible as a diehard fan of my entire life that they actually want to win football games with this recipe. Dennis Allen continues to be in the bottom five of over 150, 160 NFL head coaches that have coached as many games as he has. Bad winning percentage. And I know what the Saints are looking at. Oh, injuries. Sean Payton's first year being gone. 
Uh, no Drew Brees. If they make the playoffs this year, he's done better. He's won more games than last year already because we went seven and ten. So even if he loses in the final week, he'll still be eight and nine. Is one more win and possibly making the playoffs to maybe win more than likely lose the game enough for you to keep Dennis Allen around? Because as Saints fans, before 2009 and really up until about 2020, 2021, or really, you know, the Saints were good from 06, fell off in those four or five years in the middle, and then came back around after the 2017 draft class to be great again. The Saints fans, now I'm not even going to speak for all Saints fans. Me as a fan, I'm still spoiled by that. I still want my team to get back to that. I know there's not another Drew Brees coming down the pipeline. Maybe there could be if we made the right moves and we scouted correctly and they see things that we don't. Is it a hella loaded quarterback class in the first round? Absolutely. But the Saints have taken a quarterback one time in the 55 plus years of this franchise. Established in 1967 and have drafted a quarterback in the first round one time. Archie Manning. Dennis Allen's going to have a say in what we do with the first round pick. Mickey Loomis delusional as hell on radio stations. He's in control of that first-round pick. Miss Benson, who owns the team, is going to have a say in that first-round pick. And none of those superiors, superiors, owner, GM, head coach, can convince me that they're interested in winning football games right now. Because all we've done is kick the can down the road for years, and I'm repeating the same things. I know I am. But I was freaking baffled. Well, more than likely, the New Orleans Saints are going to retain Dennis Allen. How? How? I don't, <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't. It's so clear that Dennis Allen is bad. It's so clear that Dennis Allen is not meant to be a head coach. And his defense is slowly starting to fade away. This is an old roster. Look in the mirror. Look inward and blow it up. We've got reports out here about the Falcons possibly going to get Eric Bieniemy as their head coach. If we let the Falcons get a coach that we held for over 12 hours in an interview, I will rage. I absolutely will. Because having an in-division rival, because you're kind of in a pissing contest for, you know, with Atlanta to be the second best team in the, in the division. The Bucs are, but not by much. And the Panthers are the Panthers. And both of you are just a quarterback and head coach away. You both have good rosters. Hell, I hate to say it, Atlanta's got a better roster than we do right now. <coughs> We're just going to kick it back. This is the Saints vibe for 2024. We're just going to kick it back and bring Dennis Allen back. I'm not for that. Um, I might have to pick a secondary team. I'll, I'll always be a hoot at. But I, I truly believe... The Saints sticking with Dennis Allen, even if it's for one more year. I I hope to God it is only for the next season. He should be gone after this season. I gave him a little slack after last season. First year, you got to iron it out. But you've been one of the healthiest rosters in the NFL. You paid $150 million to an average quarterback. And you've had the easiest schedule, maybe in NFL history, walking into the year, and you're 500. Now, I do understand the strength of schedule changes because those teams can play better, play worse, quarterbacks play better, play worse. But we haven't really played that many great teams this year. Y'all realize with the Saints, if they would have got it together against the Packers when they blew that 17-point fourth quarter lead, 
and they would have pulled it together against the Vikings, we could easily be sitting at 10 wins right now and probably have the division locked up. Falcons could say that. Bucks could say that. But no one had an easier schedule than the Saints walking into this year. Absolutely flabbergasted, mind-blowed, bamboozled, hoodwinked. Whatever adjective you want to use to describe it that we're keeping. Um, what's it called? That we're keeping Dennis Allen. I just can't. A little bit about Marshawn Lattimore. He redoes his contract, saves us $11 million. We need to get $81 million off the books by March 13th. That's cool. I appreciate Marshawn Lattimore for restructuring. Um, you know, it, it's going to help us save some money. We put, we removed his uh, no-trade clause in that, so now he could be traded. I don't think we'll trade him. I really don't. Saints drafted Marshawn out of Ohio State. Great player consistently one of the top five to 10 corners in the league. Some days he plays like a top 15 to 20 corner, but I think all corners get burned, even the best ones. It's the easiest position to get exposed at um, because usually you're on an island. I appreciate Marshawn redoing that contract, no doubt. Um, and I hope he stays a state for life. But the, the main player that I want to talk about that was looking into restructuring his contract is Derek Carr. Derek Carr said, absolutely, if you laid the plan out in front of me and you gave me reasons why it would be beneficial, I would do it all day. I came here to win big with this team. Derek Carr is open to restructuring his contract with the New Orleans Saints, which basically means he would still make the same amount of money but would drag out his money longer and in different ways, position it around certain ways. Um, and I don't, I don't want that. I don't want Derek Carr to restructure his contract. I want the New Orleans Saints to make Derek Carr the highest paid clipboard holder in NFL history. So we can go have fun with a Michael Penix or Jaden Daniels or Bo Nix or Caleb Williams or Drake May, because I'm always going to have faith that my team can trade up to number one and take the best player in the draft because teams do it uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot. We've seen teams, it's become pretty popular here lately to trade that number one overall pick. The Bears are probably going to do it again. I think they should keep Justin Fields, but they could easily trade it away. They could easily trade it away, or they could turn around and use it as well. But either way, Derek Carr wanting to restructure his contract is something I'm totally against. I could not be more against dragging out this horribly failed experiment of Derek Carr with the New Orleans Saints because this is an era of Saints football that I personally don't like watching. I don't. It's been very hard to watch these games all year with Derek Carr. And and I was, I was you know, uh, supportive in a way of Derek when he came over. I was like, you know what? He was decent in Vegas. Last year, the coaching was kind of odd. Yeah, he didn't play so well with one of the best running backs and wide receivers in the league. Uh, but you know what? New regime, really wanted to be here, familiar with Dennis Allen. We'll see what it turns out to. And it's been horrible. I firmly enjoyed Taysom Hill starting at quarterback for a little bit while Drew Brees was out more than I have with Derek Carr being the starter all year. I have more enjoyed watching Teddy Bridgewater take us 5-0 and in the year that Drew Brees broke his thumb. And Teddy Bridgewater looked like ass in that game that he came and subbed in in subbed in for Drew to the game. He broke his thumb. It was a rematch of the NFC title game against the Rams. And I was like, we're going to have 
this guy as our backup? Yeah, we're 5-0 with him. Any other quarterback that Sean Payton used outside of mm, probably Ian Book and Trevor Simeon and half of Jameis, because, hell, Jameis was 5-2 and two until he tore the ACL. It's another testament to coaching. I have enjoyed watching many other quarterbacks in a New Orleans Saints uniform than I have Derek Carr. And again, it's it's the money. $150 million deal. Not even playing like he's worth, you know, uh, four years, $80 million. You know, again, I think the quarterback market's overpriced, but I would not have paid Derek Carr more than maybe $32, $33 million a year as a quarterback. Hell, bring him in on a fully guaranteed one-year, $33 million deal. Pull him on a Kirk Cousins. I would have been happier with that than what we signed him up for because this is where the New Orleans Saints are now. We've kicked the can down the road for years. You know, still paying some Drew Brees money. Almost over. Kind of still sticking around. You know, Michael Thomas is going to be a cap hit because we decided to re-sign him. Alvin Kamara's in a bad contract. Marshawn Lattimore's in a bad contract. Thankfully, we got Cameron Jordan squared away. Um, you know, we're, we're just always over the cap. We're always over the cap. We always have to get under the cap by close to $100 million. And if that doesn't show you the pure mismanagement of money that has taken place in the city of New Orleans with their professional football team over the last decade, I don't know what will. And Saints fans should not want Derek Carter restructure because if you want him out just as much as I do, the Saints need to just let it ride. No one's going to take his almost $55 million, $60 million cap hit next year. But when it falls to the year after at about $17 million, now you're looking at something more realistic. Don't let him restructure. Draft a quarterback in the first round. And take your lumps because you already have this year. You, you want to put him out there next year and have your rookie learn from him? Respectfully? Or do you want to have Michael Penix or Jaden Daniels running your offense while Derek Carr is on the sideline in a hoodie and uh, uh, sweats with a headset on looking at the tablet or the clipboard? Choice is yours. I'd rather him be in my rookie's ear, oddly enough, than my rookie sitting on the bench in today's NFL and watching. And look, the Packers clearly have the secret sauce because Brett Favre did it, Aaron Rodgers did it, Jordan Love did it, but we're not quarterback whisperers. So the only way we're going to know if he's successful in our offense is if we put him in there. But first, we have to draft him. Don't want this drug out any longer. I, I don't. I'm ready for it to be over. So ready for it to be over. Saints-Falcons hate week 18 preview. I'll be honest with you guys, <laughs> I'm not even going to do an actual preview on this game. I'll tell you what it's going to take for the Saints to make the playoffs and really how I feel about whether if we win or lose this game. To make the playoffs, the Saints uh, need to beat the Falcons to have a shot at anything. If they lose on Sunday in Week 18, then that's that. Uh, but in order to win the division, they're going to need Carolina to upset Tampa, which is going to be very tough. Uh, and if that doesn't work, then they're going to have to hope that the Cardinals and the Bears pull off upsets. The Cardinals would have to beat the Seahawks. Excuse me. And the Bears would have to beat the Packers, both of which I kind of think are possible, but it's it's going to be a tall task. Um, I would rather just have Carolina upset Tampa rather than to have to bank on two other games. But it's all an uphill battle. The easiest part is going to be beating Atlanta. And even then, we hate these guys. Uh, they embarrassed us back when we played. And I watched Derek Carr throw a pick six after paying all that money to go and sit 
in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Now, the Saints can either get to division after the first round of games or they'll have to wait and see what happens in the late games on Sunday night. If New Orleans does win the division, they'll host a wild card game to the Cowboys or the Eagles. If they get in as a wild card, they'll have to travel to Dallas, Philadelphia, or Detroit. Call me crazy, but all three of these teams are beatable. Dallas, Detroit, and Philadelphia. Will the Saints make it possible to win these games? Probably not. But we've seen that the Eagles are the most beatable team out of all three. Detroit, the second most beatable, and then Dallas as well. Dallas is by far the best team out of those three. They're the strongest. Dallas would be the last one that I would want to see. Cam Jordan didn't need a new deal. Yeah, Cam Jordan did not need a new deal at all. We did that out of respect as a veteran because he's probably going to retire after the next couple years. But all three of these teams are beatable. The Saints won't make them beatable. The Saints won't rise to the occasion with Pete Carmichael and Derek Carr and that defense that's been, you know, six and eight down the stretch ever since starting the first, you know, the first two games of the year winning undefeated. But this is genuinely the first time all season that I'm going to be happy whether we win or lose. Let me tell you why. Because if we win, we have a chance to make the postseason, host a playoff game. I'm never going to be mad about going to the playoffs with a chance to win the Super Bowl. Are we going to win the Super Bowl? No. But if you go to the playoffs, you technically always do have a chance. Say what you want. And, and host a playoff game. It'd be kind of crazy as a 9-8 and eight football team to have the 12-win Dallas Cowboys or the you know 12-win Philadelphia Eagles come in and play us. Because I'm, I'm confident against just about any team in the NFL in that dome. Are we going to make it look pretty? Are you going to want to pull your hair out? Respectively, no and yes. Um, but there's always a chance to win. It's any given Sunday for a reason. So I'm never going to be upset about my team having that opportunity. Maybe win, probably lose that game. But if we lose, we miss the playoffs. Dennis Allen continues to be playoffless with the Saints. There's more ammunition to fire him. And it won't give, again, like I was saying earlier, it won't give the Saints a chance to actually say, oh, okay, Derek Carr did play, or not Derek Carr, Dennis Allen did play better or, or, or coach better in that year. He did. Look, they made it to the playoffs, Miss Benson. Don't you, don't you see that? Don't you see they did it? No. Absolutely not. It's not something that I'm interested in. I cannot wait for the Dennis Allen era to be over. And respectfully, I, I want to lose this game. Actually, I want to lose this game for draft position. More stains on Dennis Allen's career. Record with the Saints. Tenure. And when you make the playoffs, it, it knocks you further down in the draft to where you're going to have to offer more collateral to move all the way up. And offering more collateral to move all the way up is not necessarily a position the Saints are in. So if you're, you know, 11th pick and you want to move up to the four, Okay, that sounds better than being the mm, uh, 18th to the 21st overall pick and still wanting to move up to number five or six because there's a very good chance that five of the first six players off the board, depending on how trades and everything go for draft night, which the draft's going to be here in three and a half months, there's a very good chance that they're all going to be quarterbacks, if not, like I said, five of the six of them being quarterbacks, which the Saints have to go and grab. Did I mention that? Did I mention that the Saints have to draft a quarterback in the first round? Oh, okay. Just, just making sure. Just making sure we get the memo about that. But yeah, I, I, uh, I think the Saints will win this game. Um, 
I don't want the Saints to win this game, as I almost just said that I did want them to, because that's just me naturally as a fan, as a diehard. I, I want to see my team win. I think the Saints will win. Um, it'll be ugly. It'll be scrappy. Uh, hell, who knows? Maybe Derek Carr throws another pick six. Maybe we lose so convincingly, like 52 to 7, that the team just has no choice but to look at Dennis Allen and let him go. Because the Chargers had no problem doing it with Brandon Staley. The Raiders had no problem doing it with, uh, Lord. Why can I not remember his name? Raiders had no problem doing it with their head coach, Josh McDaniels. Broncos had no problem doing it with Nathaniel Hackett last year. The Jaguars had no problem doing it with Trevor, or not Trevor Lawrence, um, Urban Meyer the year before. And guess what? All of those teams are better today. All of them. Jags are better with Doug Peterson. Broncos are better with Sean Payton. Raiders are better with Antonio Pierce. Chargers haven't been playing better, but it's also Easton Stick out there in, in, in place of Justin Herbert. But I, I do want to lose this game for draft position. I really do. I just, I'm so ready for this era of Saints football to go. You know, I've heard reports that the, tra- the, the, the Saints treat this more like a, 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 a family than they do business. And that's all fine and dandy. But again, they could not sit me down today and have, they could treat me to the finest A5 Wagyu with a 40-year-old bottle of wine and give me the best cheesecake possible with a lobster tail and some John butter. And they still couldn't convince me with all of that. They could lay it out any way they would. They wanted to. They couldn't convince me that the Saints want to win football games right now. Not possible. Not possible at all. Let's get into the Week 18 NFL picks before we wrap up Episode 59 of the NFL with AJL. I'm 163-92 and 92 on the year. I'm actually just realizing right now that I didn't do um, I didn't do the math to see what my percentage is. So 255 games, 163 divided by 255. 64%. Been holding still at about 64% all year. I think my highest was about 67 or 68%. Let's go ahead and get into the Week 18 picks. I'm taking the Steelers over the Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens are resting their starters, rightfully so. 13-3, and three, best team in the league. I've already locked up the one seed. Um, of course, we've talked about the rest versus Russ versus uh, with Lamar. Steelers uh, probably going to win this game. If the Steelers lost, I, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised uh, because Baltimore is a very sound team, and you know maybe they pull something out of their depth chart that no one's seen all year because they haven't had to because certain positions have been healthier. I'll take the Colts over the Texans. So there's key players on both injury reports for sure. There's more role players on the Texans with Noah uh, Noah Brown, Laramie Tunsil, Robert Woods, Will Anderson. They're all on the injury report. So that's going to be a little skeptical there. Um, and the Colts have just been playing really solid football. Shane Steichen is a million percent a coach of the year candidate. I've been talking about that as well. D'Amico Ryans also could be. Uh, the Colts are going to be nasty when Anthony Richardson comes back next year, but I will take the Colts over the Texans here. I'm going to take the Jags over the Titans. Will Levis is ruled out for this game. Trevor Lawrence is questionable as well. There's a ton of people on the Titans injury report, though, over the Jags. I like the Jags better as a team and with the coach, of course, in Doug Peterson as well. I don't think Trevor Lawrence should play this game. He really hasn't been healthy since he came and played the Saints in the middle of the season. Um, and, and, you know, he was he was on a bum ankle at that point as well. So I don't want him to continue to play banged up because he did just miss his first game 
in his NFL career. And um, there's, you know, really no reason in in playing this game, if you ask me. But I'll take the Jags over the Titans. I'll take the Lions over the Vikings. The Vikings have already ruled six people out for this game. More of them are questionable. Blackman, Murphy, O'Neal, those are the main ones that are out for Minnesota. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson actually might be able to return from his injury that he had back in Week 2 with the torn pectoral. He had to undergo surgery. Um, And, of course, there's no surprise that he's frustrated with his rotational role as a safety that's what got him booted out of New Orleans and Philadelphia. And realistically, I guess he just won't learn as we see that that attitude is something that continues to ramp up for him. No Jamison Williams for the Lions as well. Now, I think this could be a sneaky game. I really do think that this could be a sneaky game because for some reason, the NFC North, I just, I, I always remember, especially last few years watching football, like the Lions and the Vikings, the Packers and the Bears, those four teams just always played to the death in the last week of the season. But I'll take the Lions over the Vikings here. I'm going to take the Saints over the Falcons. Again, I want the Saints to lose this game, but I will take the Saints over the Falcons. I just think the Saints are slightly better team, slightly better quarterback. I'd probably take over Smith over Dennis Allen, but hell, maybe not by much. Losing to the Panthers, losing to three straight backups, you know, at some point in the season for Arthur Smith. We've heard the Falcons fans and even me calling for them to be fired. I'll take the Jets over the Patriots as well. Uh, Patriots have been such a sorry football team this year, fortunately, unfortunately, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, Jets do just release Dalvin Cook a couple days ago. Both of these teams are pretty putrid over in the AFC East. This matchup really won't mean anything, but the Jets do feel like and you know realistically have been the better team all year. I'll take the Bucs over the Panthers. I need the Panthers to win this football game as a Saints fan in order for um, you know, my Saints to make the playoffs. I really don't need them to win, but if the Saints want to get into the playoffs because I want the Saints to lose the game, the Saints need the Bucs to uh, lose to the Panthers. Bucks have been the better team all year, probably the best team in the division all year. Um, you know, the Panthers have just been very bad. Baker Mayfield might get that extension. He's played well and has a chance to go and uh, be in the playoffs, maybe host the playoff game. I'll take the Browns over the Bengals. Browns, one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Joe Flacco is playing his life out. I really appreciate the depth chart that the Browns have gotten creative with to bring out some of their best players. This defense is one of the best in the NFL. Now, the Bengals have been playing sneaky good football as well. Jake Browning subbing in for Joe Burrow after the injury, of course. We've seen the Bengals under Zach Taylor be able to be kind of surprising little or not a little explosive on offense but you know hang with some of the teams in the NFL that they've played with and and really they've impressed me with how they've been able to play so far but I will take the Browns over the Bengals here I'll take the Packers over the Bears this will be another sneaky game no question this will be another sneaky game no question about it I think every single game is a divisional game yep yep. love that uh, Packers over Bears will be sneaky. Bears have actually been quietly on a heater, coming up to a 7-9 record, surprisingly enough, and they're going to be a, a team that was able to at least be the middle of the pack, actually have that first overall pick in the NFL draft, and it will just be wild to see what the Bears do with it. Do think the Packers are the better team. Jordan Love's been impressive this year, 30 touchdowns, uh, around 10 interceptions, over 4,000 yards. The Packers just continuing to have that quarterback whisperer mentality and clearly it's paying off for them but the Packers should win this game and uh, again if the Bears do sneak around and maybe win this one I wouldn't be surprised I'll take the Cowboys over the Commanders they smacked them earlier in the year I think they'll smack them again Commanders have been a big disappointment the Cowboys are a juggernaut on to the next game Broncos over Raiders Russell Wilson's not playing who knows how Sean Payton might coach in this one 
the Raiders are just being the Raiders. They're going to try to play their asses off in the final divisional game of the year. The Denver Broncos, though, are the better team. They should win this game. But again, without Russ playing, don't really know how things are going to fare out. They do end up winning last week, not by much, though. Um, again, a, a meaningless divisional game for both of these teams to end the year. The Eagles over the Giants. The Eagles should this win this one handily. Now, Tommy DeVito and the Giants over there could come in for the upset because we've seen the Eagles struggle over the last month of the season. The defense is very porous. The play calling offensively is not very good. They're not getting their key players involved. I just talked about what needs to happen for those key players to really, or not for those key players, what every NFL playoff contender needs to actually be able to, you know, go on and win the Super Bowl. Don't think the Eagles are going to be that type of team, but I will take the Eagles over the Giants. Seahawks over the Cardinals. Need the Cardinals if the Saints want things to happen. They need the Cardinals too. See, I'm trying to talk myself out of saying that I want the Saints to win. You see how odd that is for me to pull my words back because I always want this team to win, but y'all heard how I feel about them, man. First time all season that I'm, I'm happy whether we win or lose. Seahawks over the Cardinals, better team. Kyler Murray's been playing, coming back from the injury. Um, of course, we've seen a little bit of struggling from the Seattle Seahawks this year, underperforming in some aspects. We expected them to be a better team. They are a better team than the Cardinals, and they should win this one. I'm going to take the Rams over the Niners as well. San Francisco starters are resting in this one, and no question as to why they are. They want to be healthy for the playoffs. They are that number one seed. They are going to have that home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Now, <clears throat> The Rams also were in the playoffs as well. So I can see the Rams resting their starters too. I don't know if the Rams are locked in at their seed, but Sean McVay has a very good uh, case at coach of the year. What he's done is very impressive with a Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua, uh, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, some of those guys coming back off injuries as well. He could have coached better at other points in the season, but you know, a couple of games go their way and they could easily be a 10-win team. And I did not see the, the, the Rams being that at all. And for the final game of the week, I'll take the Chiefs over the Chargers, despite Kansas City resting their players, Mahomes, Kelsey, Pacheco. We know Kelsey's going to be in so he can get his either eight or nine straight seasons as a thousand yards for a tight end. Um, and, you know, really with the Chargers just not having a, a head coaching presence, not having a quarterback presence as well with Easton Stick being in there, I don't trust them to be able to beat the Chiefs in the last game of the season. Now, Mahomes, again, is going to rest. Um, Chargers could win for sure, but I, I definitely feel like the Chiefs are are going to pull this one out. This has been episode 59 of the NFL with AJL. I appreciate everybody jumping into the show as we wrap up the first week of 2024. Again, you could have been anywhere else in the world, but you were right here tapped in with me live on episode 59. Of course, as always, before we get out of here, please make sure to like and share the stream wherever you're watching, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch. Drop a comment. Tell someone about the show. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. If you want to donate directly to the show, you can DM me on social media or do the super thanks, the super chat on YouTube. No donation is too big and definitely no donation is too small. The QR code in the corner of the screen will give you every bit of social media and podcast content. We will be back on Tuesday with episode 60 of the NFL with AJL as the playoff brackets will be set. We'll be predicting a lot of the playoffs going through it, and uh, we're just gearing up for that January, February football. Super Bowl 58 is coming. I'm pumped. The pod's been back out for almost a year now, and the support from you guys has been absolutely amazing. Again, best fans in the world supporting me through my ups and downs, through my multiple shows. At the NFL with AJL, hashtag the NFL with AJL on all social media platforms. And as always, I love you, I need you, and I will see you in episode 60.